It's recording, so whenever you're ready. No, no, I was just. Oh, okay, just preparing yourself mentally? I like that. It's United Leaning MLS podcast that may mention the USL from time to time. I'm Master Kraken. He's Grant Hirschberger. Coming off a week when we need one of these. Oh yeah, baby. The sweet, sweet sound of liquid courage to get us through the next hour and a half. Because it was not a good one against Colorado. I was in the stadium. Grant, you were watching on TV. I can't imagine your point of view felt much better than mine did. Alex, I'm drinking some uh, White Claw hard seltzer mango flavored because it's time to let that man go. Oh, mango. We're Heath out. I, think... I was not. We'll talk about this more in depth because I know you and I, you know, we always want to be very um, objective about our calls for somebody to lose their job, which realistically that is what it is. Um, and we want to have a reasonable approach to it. But that game was ugly. That game was absurdly frustrating to watch. Alex, in the stadium, because I think that's a big part of it too, Like, what were your big takeaways mid-game? Well, <clears throat> mid-first half, I think, that was this excitement of like, man, we got him on the back foot, it feels like. We scored the goal. Um, you know, love to see that we went up early. We know our success when we go up early and all these things. Uh, but then actually someone next to me pointed out like, man, they have been in our attacking half or they, you know, they've been attacking our goal for pretty much most of the second half of the first half, if that makes sense. Um, and that was really true. I mean, they, they seemed like they were just down in our end constantly and we were having a hard time getting out. At least that's what it looked like from our point of view. Um, and honestly, I felt kind of fortunate to go into half one nil up. Apologies if you can hear my dog loudly drinking water in the background. Uh, <laughs> I was hoping you would stall a little bit longer. But um, let's talk about the goal for a second. So in in the Game of Thrones, or the Game of Expected Goals, um, it's hilarious to see Adrian Unu take so many high-quality, high-expected goal shots and not make them. And then the goal he scores against Colorado was like a double nutmeg on the turn bounce shot that, I mean, that was probably his most highly unlikely goal of, of probably most of his shots. Is that fair to say? That was kind of a ridiculous goal to score. Yeah. In even in the stadium, it was on the far side, and when he scored, it looked weird because the shot you could tell it wasn't that powerful. The angle didn't look like it was anything particularly threatening, and you know Yarbrough, a very good goalie, uh, didn't really do much to stop it. And so even in the even in the stadium, I was kind of like, huh, that was weird. I mean, we'll take it, but that did not seem particularly threatening. Um, and then watching the highlights and the rewatch again, I noticed that yeah, it was in fact a double nutmeg. Didn't seem like he hit it super cleanly. Like, it wasn't, you know, hit with a lot of pace. Um, but, yeah, screen the goalie. I mean, that's why you take shots, right? You never know which one of them are going to go in. And I think that, once again, we just saw what Ray Franco can offer, what Ray and Franco can offer uh, the game and, and why we think they should have more, who knew should get more time with them. 
So a couple of quick things, and totally agree. I'm glad that, you know, even if they're unlikely goals, uh, they're falling for Unu. And I think this is what I've been pounding the table about. Can I can I take a second and mention the fact that I, I willed it. I willed the goal <laughs> and the start. And I, I showed Hannah that after he scored, and she was like, how did you know? And I was like, I didn't know. It was blind faith. It was blind faith. I had no idea that was going to happen. How many times have you tried to will something in the past, though, and it was a complete failure? A lot of times. A lot of times. And and truthfully, it doesn't always work. It worked this time. Uh, again, people called it out that there was kind of a monkey paw situation here where, yes, Unu got the start and the goal, but didn't... You looked confused. Do you get the monkey paw reference? Nope, never heard it before in my life. Uh, long story short, I think it's a short story, potentially Stephen King or Edgar Allan Poe or something, but you get a monkey paw and it has three fingers and you get three wishes, but each wish comes with like a, a catch, you know? So somebody will say, I wish I was the richest man in the world, but then, you know, you're the only man in the world. Everyone else dies or something like that, you know? So there's always a catch. There's a trick to it. So sure. Unu started, he scored. He did not help us. Well, it's not his fault, but we did not win the game. Um, so I'm glad that he did, though. I think that unlocking him is a big part to our success over the next couple of games. Here's something interesting. So the goalie, William Yarbrough, first of all, is that not the oldest sea shanty sounding ass name you've ever heard of in your life? William Yarbrough sounds like he definitely has scurvy. I just said, like, it sounds like something, you, you know, he must have been, like, playing Scrabble when his family made up this name because it's like, dude, you're not getting extra points for all these letters you've added in there. And that's coming from someone named McCracken. I mean, come on, man. Get over yourself. Uh, very true. Can I, without looking it up, I'm going to ask you, do you know where William Yarbrough is from? Uh, I thought he was U.S. men's national team eligible. No. So I was thinking well, he was Oh, he, he may be. He may be eligible. Yes, he has previously represented the U.S. national team. But where was he born? He was born in Pawnee, Indiana. Oh, not even close. He was born in Mexico. Oh. Which okay. would not have guessed from the name William Yarbrough. But, uh, yeah, he was born in Aguascalientes, Mexico. On March 20th of 1989. And why were you looking this up? Uh, just because I love the name William Yarbrough. I think that's the oldest peg leg, <laughs> sea shanty, salty dog sounding name ever. And it's yep. hilarious to me. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, let's get into the lineup uh, after that nice little anecdote there. Uh, so we asked early on. It was, it was first off, it was announced that Reynoso's red card was just send in. All, is, all made sense in the world for a brief moment there. So we knew we had Reynoso left. We did a poll and said, given that, do you expect any other outcome than Unu up top in your classic 4-2-3-1? And most people said, no, that should be the formation. Make that the formation. I believe that will be the formation. And it pretty much was exactly what we expected with the slight wrinkle of Will Trap not being available due to the birth of his child. Yes, which I am heard had a ripple effect where allegedly Hassani Dotson was supposed to be playing right back and instead 
DJ Taylor then played right back and Hassani Dotson played uh, central hmm. midfield in really? uh, replacement of Metnir. How do you feel about that, let's call it a near miss, of Dotson playing right back? I would have been very frustrated with that if that had happened. Yeah. I just don't I, see I it. Thought, I thought we were done with that. Every time I think we're done with one of these positions that I feel like Heath just keeps forcing, something happens like this, and we see Dotson back at the yeah at right back. I just don't see it. I don't see it. Especially when you have DJ Taylor, who I think has been very solid in that position. I think you let players get comfortable. And DJ Taylor is a better right back than a left back. So if you've got that chance to let him play right back, you know, people were telling me I was wrong for for saying he had a decent game. But, you know, like usual, I block out the haters. I don't listen to them, whether I'm right or wrong. Uh, I think he had a pretty good game. He was unfortunate in the Sporting Kansas City game to go against Sporting Kansas City's DP captain winger. Um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on who's Johnny Sporting Kansas Johnny Russell, yeah, yeah, yeah. Johnny Russell, who's super good. So yeah. it's like, I, like, how are you going to... Sorry, I couldn't... I was like, what uh, stereotypical Scottish name can I think right. of? Yep. You know, there Seamus you McWilliamson or something. But <laughs> uh, yeah, like, what are you going to do? You know, it it is a... That would have been a game that Chase Gasper also would have gotten pounded in, truthfully. Like, Johnny Russell was playing very well. That is not an indictment against um, DJ Taylor. So uh, people were talking about DJ Taylor playing bad. I don't agree with that. Um, I thought he played all right, especially considering he was injured and still kept trying. Um, I, I do not want to see Hassani Dotson at right back anymore. I also, Alex... Let's take a little stock inventory on Hassani Dotson. Do you believe his stock is going up or down? <clears throat> At the moment, I would say it's staying pretty stationary. Um, I don't think I've that seen That is not him... what I asked, but well, all right. No, I think it's, it's flatlining right now, um, which isn't bad. So I guess you would say, if anything, it's going up because he's continued to prove that he definitely like belongs here and has promise. And even though right now he might not be on a super hot streak or anything, he still is showing that he you know is in the right place. I think he needs to start being put in a consistent position. And I think, obviously, the people around him are, are underperforming as well. But I don't think over the last, whatever, half a season, um, he has done anything that makes me think his stock is going up. It's definitely not going down, but I don't think it's going up. I love that in classic dummy run form, you have taken a question that I've asked and uh, twisted it into the question you wanted to answer, uh, which sure, I appreciate. One-on-one, yeah. um, no, what do I you think? I think... It's not stock. It's actually something different. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, no, I think his stock is going down a little bit. Because I think as a young player, if you're not showing that you're on an upward trajectory, and, and clearly showing you're on an upward trajectory, um, inevitably your your ceiling starts dropping. And I think the thing that I have seen from Hassani, and, and I want to know your opinion on this, is that... He continues to be very shaky when it comes to possession. He's a little bit erratic. He's a little bit all over the place. He's not a steady Eddie, which he's more dynamic than, say, a Will Trap. But Will Trap isn't going to make 
silly turnovers or, or stuff like that. And so, you know, you see situations like you see Hassani Dotson starting at the eight and you think he could either ball out or he could be a liability. And I still don't know which Hassani we're going to get. I'm still high on him. I still think it's, you know, we have plenty of time to see him improve and get better. But, you know, I just, I don't know yet. I don't know. And it's even more curious with Jan Gregush continuing to ride the bench. Hmm. That is something. I don't agree with that. I First off, I wouldn't even say that he's more dynamic than Will Trapp. I think that we really saw this game what, what we miss when we have Will Trapp, and that's, I think, a lot of creativity in our, like, kind of in our backfield, starting the offensive attacks. Um, offensive attacks is a dumb way to say that. Um, you know, starting the counter, those things. I think that we really missed him. As soon as I saw he was out, I definitely got more word than I already was because over the year, I think he's really solidified himself as one of our key pieces, really, week in and week out. Um, as far as Dotson goes, yeah, I I wouldn't say that I am ever concerned with what he's going to give us. I think, I think, if anything, he has the highest ceiling of, or sorry, the highest floor of almost any of our players. Where I feel like no matter, even if he doesn't offer a lot above, specifically and saying in the eight, correct? Not not at right back. Not at right back. That's for okay. sure. Yeah. Just clarify, because because the the MLS is back tournament, he had a pretty rough game against Orlando. Okay. You remember that? Okay. That was. That's fair. Nani had a lights out game, but I remember he got whooped. Right. I mean, yeah, it's kind of like what we were saying with saying DJ Taylor had a rough game against Johnny Russell. It's like, well, right. They're like world Don't use players. my own words against yeah, me. Yeah, well, I'm kidding? going to. I, Dotson in the eight, I'm never worried he's going to screw something up. Or even Dotson in the six. I just I think he has enough work rate that he's willing to get back defensively and for the most part clean up anything he may get himself into. Um, there are definitely days where he's better than others, but... Um, I mean, FOTMOB had him at 6.6, which is right in the mix of kind of everyone else on the field, you know, um, other than the three people involved in the goal who were at like 7.7. And funny enough, DJ Taylor, that was at 7.0, uh, 6.6 is, you know, one of the higher ones on the field. So Dotson, I definitely don't have a, I'm never concerned with Dotson. I do think you make a good point that with a young player, especially if your stock isn't going up, it kind of has to be going down, at least in the eyes of like the international community. Because that's our goal for Hassani. Like, I think none of us are are confused about that fact with Hassani. I think also with like uh, DSC, you know, players who are young and promising and have a high ceiling, you kind of are expecting that like, in a perfect ideal world, Hassani Dotson would play very well for us for another, you know, year or two. And then, you know, we could sell him on to play somewhere in Europe because that's probably what Hassani wants. And that's probably what we want as well. You know, we'd like to, you know, continue to, um, you know, move players through and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess we disagree a little bit on where his floor lands, but regardless... We like him at the eight. We hate him at right back. Mm-hmm. Not hate him, but just please don't yeah. make him play right back anymore. We have backups for a well, reason. Well, we like DJ Taylor at right back. Yeah. So. Which I think he had a great game this time. And we'll, we'll, we'll get into it a bit more as we go through. But on the other side of the ball, 
interesting fact and you know obviously the first half goes on as it does right we talked about the goal a little bit already and i don't really think there's much else to talk about because it definitely wasn't the hot point of the game some nice interchange between lude franco and unu unu takes a shot that's yeah we've seen sorry lude so- franco and unu Reynoso, Franco, and Unu. Thank you for correcting that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know what Unu. you meant, listeners. He meant Ray, but I just wanted to... I'm not being pedantic, just so that we know that, you know. We know that no. you know. Okay, I wanted you to continue that thought because... No, yeah, I know. I know that you know. <laughs> so it was good. Yeah, you know, Unu takes a shot that's like, again... Not the greatest we've ever seen from him, but somehow this one goes in. We go into halftime feeling pretty good. Uh, come out in the second half. We'll talk about the red card in a bit, but it's kind of more in regards to the to the starting 11, which is why I want to kind of jump to it. I did not realize that Abubakar, Bassett, and Barrios were not on the field to start the game. And once they put those three subs in at the 64th, 63rd minute mark, the whole first half took on a very different um, light to me because we yeah. had been kind of battling back and forth and had come out one goal ahead, but they were without, you know, Kai Kamara. No, wow, Kai Kamara. Uh, they were without uh, Mark Anthony Kay and um, their other international call up, Acosta. And then they were also without three of their, you know, typical starters and key players. And we were still just like grinding it out and we're kind of lucky to come out ahead. When I saw those come in, I was like, wow, that is a very different story now. Yeah, it um, it was the exact same revelation when they made that sub trio where I was like, wait, they weren't in already? And I was like, oh, this yeah. is really bad. Like, that's not good at all. They had Abubakar, uh, Dom Baji, who, you know, up and down, but still has potential. Shin Yashiki was still... They didn't even use Shin Yashiki, who I, I personally am very high on him. I think he's a good player. Barrios was a sub. Mesquita, Cole Bassett. They even had uh, Bedeshur, Stephen Bedeshur on the bench, too. Like, this Colorado team has some ballers on the bench. Um, so, yeah, it was very scary to see those subs happen. You know, I think right off the bat... It was frustrating for me to see, you know, in the 66th minute, um, Adrian Unu draws that red card for denial of a goal-scoring opportunity, and almost right away, Adrian Heath subs him off. Which, if you watch that red card play, the the denial of goal-scoring opportunity, uh, Unu, I mean, he probably would have beaten his man and scored a goal if not for that, you know, takedown. I still think he had a couple of minutes left in him. I just don't understand why Heath continues to take him off around the hour mark. Um, and I know you and I have discussed this a few times, but it just seems so self-defeating to take your DP striker off when clearly he's still got gas in the tank. Yeah. <clears throat> Obviously, you know, here we are, right? We're, we're at the point of the game where we have to discuss the subs that we used. We kind of started off with that, but, you know, it's really the, the biggest part of the game, hands down, for sure. Which is funny, considering there was a penalty kick and a red card. Both those are pretty cut and dry, I think. But this this sub-usage on Heath and the tactics that were chosen after that red card, I mean, I can't think of a situation that that 
it was a it was more egregious than this, right? We've talked about all these things a lot throughout the year in terms of sub usage, you know, players in the starting eleven, tactics, in-game tactics, willingness to change, all these things. And this was the worst I think I have ever seen from him. I mean, yeah, it starts with taking off Unu after he's been, you know, a key player, um, not just in scoring the goal, which again was kind of like one of the more underwhelming moments he had. He had been creating good space and working well with Franco and, you know, doing all these things right. And in the 67th minute, he gets taken off. And it's not like he gets taken off for like, you know, a, a one, you know, a, a like B, for like a one B type player or like someone who's been really pushing him for the starting spot. I mean, he gets taken off for Juan Agadello, who like we don't really know what Juan Agadello is yet because he hasn't really had a chance to get his feet under him. I would still give of all the people we picked up this year, Juan Agadello is one of them. I would say I would still be willing to give him a shot because there are some times we see something from him, but he is definitely not in the running for Adriana New's spot. So to take to take Adriana New off in the 67th minute when you just want a man up and you you are going to be more likely to be playing to Anu's strengths now is just beyond anything I can come up with an explanation for. But then Heath kind of takes it one further. So first off, just five minutes after you know taking Anu off, we get the penalty, um, which who knows the reasons behind that. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you can draw a one-to-one connection between the two, but the game definitely changed when Anu came off. So they score their penalty, and then in the 78th minute, we take it one step further and put Fernando Adi on, which slows the game down even more. I think the biggest frustration I have, and it's it's a running theme with Adrian Heath and Adrian Unu, is that for whatever reason, Adrian Heath refuses to let Adrian Unu be in advantageous positions. So for example... We, we go a man up, they go a man down, and you don't want to let your DP striker have 10 more minutes in that situation, especially when, you know, they're trying to, you know, bunker and counter. You know, they're trying to get some more speed, bunker a little bit. Why not have a player who can sit and create and break down along with Franco, along with Reynoso? Why not have that? Like, just tactically, that makes a ton of sense up until the very end, Adrian Onu was still pressing, still chasing. There is no reason to take him off at the 66th minute. That was far too early. And and there's no hindsight to this. You know, I hate when people will make, you know, uh, judgments on, on coaching decisions. And it's like, well, you didn't really know that was going to happen. You know, but when you look at taking off your best striker, because he is our best striker... He's our second highest goal scorer, which is kind of nuts when you think about it. It's He's number two after Lude. Um, you take off your best striker. Why? Why do that? Why not get one more goal? And we've seen time and time again where Adrian, or excuse me, Adrian Heath will employ, you know, uh, prevent defenses, so to speak, They'll park the bus, whatever. The only thing a prevent defense does is prevent you from winning. You know, it just, it, it, hinders your ability to stretch the field to get the ball away from dangerous positions you know we should be keeping it in our offensive you know final third but whatever what do i know right yeah well and if and if you feel like you have to get Juan Agudelo out there 
I, I sure, but then it should be like Ethan Finley, right? Or, move, or yeah, Ethan Finley and, and move Unu to the right wing. Or move, I mean, he put Ron Agudelo to the right wing just 10 minutes later when he put Fernando Rani on. So True. Like, yeah. he clearly is fine with him playing that position. And, I mean, Ethan Finley wasn't having a bad game. I don't think it was one of his best games. He had a few opportunities where he definitely could have put us a goal up, both either on the, you know, the, t- the opportunity where he chose to take a shot instead of passing it to Anu, or the time he chose to pass it to Anu instead of taking a shot on open goal. Two very good opportunities where he could have put us a man up. And I don't want to look at those two things and say that he had a bad game because of those two things. But he definitely wasn't having a lights-out game where you're like, well, we can't take Finley off. Um, so the idea that you would look at those two people and then decide to take off your DP striker who was looking like he was having himself the best game he's had in a while is just, you know, I don't know any reason you would you would be able to explain that away. And then after taking, you know, putting Fernando Adi on, which again, I think is another step in the wrong direction, he makes maybe the worst decision of all of them in taking off Franco Fragapane. And I don't know why he continues to do this. I don't know why he all of a sudden has decided that these pe- these people he's brought in, Franco and Unu, can't go 90 minutes. Like, there's just... Franco Fragapane was the best player on the field the entire time, I believe. And to take him off... I, yeah. I love Nico Hansen. Again, no problem with Nico Hansen being out there. But why would you take off Franco Fragapane in that situation? Well, I think it, it's one of those situations where, you know, we have... Begged and begged and begged Adrian to use his use his subs, and now all of a sudden it almost feels spiteful in the way that he's doing it. And I'm not actually accusing him of being spiteful, but it's just, at, what's the reason when you're putting on a guy like Adi, and then you suddenly decide, oh wait, we need some speed, so you take Franco off, but you put on Nico Hansen. Who, who is fast, but you already have Adi on the field, and you've got Agudelo, who's not necessarily a burner either. It just, nothing is cohesive. Um, and like you said, we've seen Heath, you know, in the MLS's back tournament, play his entire starting 11, like multiple 90s back-to-back, and all of a sudden now is when he starts to get picky about it. Like, I support player health. I don't want anyone... Uh, being put in a position where they're going to injure themselves. But Franco looked mad when he got pulled off. Like he, oh, yeah. he had more in the tank. Um, and I just, I just don't understand where that logic is coming from. He's one of the few guys who can actually break down a low block. Uh, so it, it just doesn't seem to make sense at all. It, it very much feels like you're kind of just winging your substitutions and going, you know, I've ordered them from most skilled to least skilled, and you're just gonna next guy up, next guy up, you yeah. know. Well, yeah, and not only them, not only the subs individually, but now you know. So Nico come or Franco comes off in the 82nd minute. They score their second goal in the 84th minute, so just two minutes later. So now they're a goal up, and our attacking three are Juan Agudelo, Adi, and Nico Hansen. Like, how long have those people been on the field together? How long have they even practiced together? Like. We now have three what feel like complete strangers, which I'm sure they practice together. You know, they're all kind of on the beat squad together. Maybe that helps them. But either way, you've taken off all of your, like, number one attacking threats, and you're a goal down with five minutes left to play in regulation and pretty much a playoff, you know, for sure a home playoff position on the line. That was the last hope to get into fourth place, for sure. 
if not a playoff position line, because we have now put ourselves in a very, very tough spot going into the end of the season, which I don't think anyone's excited about. So what's the plan? And it feels like there very much is not a plan, right? He's just like, you go out, you go out, you go out. And now we've got this this squad that's clearly not ready to play together, clearly not ready to contend. And, I mean, we're pushing for one in the end, and we, they end up scoring the third, which is fine, whatever. But The, the third goal means nothing to me. Right. Like... It, I saw people trashing Tyler Miller for that goal, and it's like, what? I mean, he's pushed up to midfield. Like, what do you expect him to do? You know, it it is what it is. It's a to me, nerve, this is right? this is a, if he this gets is it, a maybe two- we put it back in and we score. If he doesn't get it, we were gonna lose yeah. anyway. So yeah, yeah, it, it's it's a nothing goal to me. Um, you know, in my mind, we lost realistically two to one, but two to one to a team that's down a man is unacceptable. I think. Um, you know, actually, I'll ask you first, Alex, real quick breakdown. I know we have the benefit of hindsight, but if you have to make the subs, what do you make? Who do you choose and why? I think I would put... I don't know what Nico Hansen's level of comfort is playing on the right side instead of the left or I don't know what Ethan, uh, what um, Franco Fragapane's comfortability is playing on the right versus the left. But if you really feel like you need to make a change in that moment, I don't hate the idea of getting Nico Hansen out there. But it just can't be for Adrian Unu. It just can't. So whether that's got to be for Finley or whether you take, I don't know, take Dotson off and just put put Franco out there and switch the formation or... You just, I just don't get the idea of taking off, starting to take off attackers in that situation, when, you know, even even when we took even when we took Adrian Anu off, at least we were one nil up, um, but then the Fernando Adi and the Nico Hansen subs came when it was a tie game, so I just don't get why you're taking off attacking pieces when you're a man up at home with, you know, nothing to lose. A one zero advantage over Colorado is not a very comfortable advantage you know that's not something where you're just like all right park the bus like and we've seen time and time again Heath get burned for for parking the bus I just I don't think it's a very sound tactic with the team that we have I don't know I mean I think we could probably talk about this for hours right the fact is like it was terrible subs used we went a man up and we didn't do any we just let the game completely fall apart around us and I just don't know how you how you can explain that away with without anything other than just it was a very poor game tactically and at the end of the game we still heard the same thing about Heath saying it was you know the players efforts and and we didn't play our game and and like some of that stuff maybe is true honestly I don't even know at this point but it just feels like there's no way around Heath not being removed at the end of this year because if nothing else it's time for a change right well if we're going to change coaches, why don't we go ahead and switch on over because we have a special guest appearance with the coach of newly promoted. We're going to call it promoted because I like that. It sounds better. Uh, USL 2 side, Minneapolis City coach, Matt. Join us in the interview. So Alex and I have the privilege of welcoming Matt. Oh, God. 
Alex, you say his last name because I'm not going to do this, right? I should I'm going to let, let you both guess. All right. Matt Van Benchoten. Close. Oof. Alex, you go. Van, I was going to say Van Benchoten. Yeah, that's the you're, you're both very close. It's not, it's, that's the most common mispronunci- mispronunciation. Uh, Van Ben Scoten. It's, it's Dutch and we like to be tricky. So the C is actually phonetic. Cuh. But good effort. I've had a lot worse, so I'm not offended yet. We that's have Matt, true. who is very much the head coach of Minneapolis City, the Crows, as many of you know. And since we are a Minnesota United leaning podcast that may mention the USL from time to time, we are pleased to announce that, Matt, your team has made the jump to USL 2. Is that correct? We have as of two months ago, last month, last month. Let's go last month. Yeah, as of last month, it is official. We will be joining USL 2 for the 2020 summer, the 2022 summer. How pumped are you guys? Really excited. Really excited. And, and I know that that's the cliche answer, but no, we are really excited. I think the, the NPSL has been great. We're actually, we're, we're going to keep a team in the NPSL. So we're still going to do that. But I think, you know, when we started five, six years ago, I don't think any of us anticipated that this is where we would be. And so, you know, the goal was always, can we elevate local soccer players? And it's still going to be the thing as we go into USL two. And, and I've gotten that question a bunch is, you know, are you guys going to bring in a lot of players like Des Moines Menace, for example, is a lot of kind of ex-professionals and they're very good um, and it'll be fun to play them. But that's not our thing. Our thing is going to be very local. Can we elevate these players, give them a platform? And so the fact that we're now doing it at the their highest amateur level and it is really, really cool for us, like to be able to say, yep, we're on that same page as, you know, a Des Moines Menace, a FC Chicago um, is really cool. So I think it validates all the work that we've put into the last few years. So you're not scouting in France or anything like that right now? Not, not at the moment, not at the moment. Although I've certainly gotten inquiries from France and a number of other places for sure. Wait, no, actually. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's so funny when people find out like who you are and they they'll find like just people come out of the woodwork, whether it's Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, just random emails. I mean, I think two years ago when Adam was a head coach, there was some legit like Croatian second tier team that was like, we would like to partner with you and send players over. And we're like, okay, but that, but then the catches like they wanted, they wanted like visas and stuff like that. I'm like, we, we don't, we don't do that. We, we post silly memes on Twitter. So that's our jam. Ended up being some kind of like money laundering thing. And- uh, probably, <laughs> which in hindsight, maybe we should have gotten into because that's always going to be a big thing for us as finances. So I might hit them back up actually. The, the players they send over are like 45 year old Croatian men who are just severely <laughs> overweight, you know, yeah. I'm here to play. Like, also, <laughs> here's all these Croatian kroner dollar bills, you know? Right. Right. Which yeah. equate to like two American dollars. So. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so you know, let's get the more uh, boilerplate questions out of the way really quick. Matt, yeah. give us just your quick backstory. How did you get connected sure. to Minneapolis City? So I, at the time when I joined four years ago, I was the assistant coach at Bethel University. The head coach is a guy by the name of Jeremy Ivashkovitz, who's good friends with Dan and John Bisworm, who are kind of the co-founders. And Love that guy, Jeremy, by the way. I, What's that? Love that guy. So for, for those of you who don't know to listeners, I also went to Bethel 
Jeremy Ivashkovitz was uh, the soccer coach when I was there, and, and he actually uh, taught two of the courses uh, while I was oh, there. Nice. One of them was Christian Leadership, and uh, just a fantastic guy. Super he funny, is, dry sense yes. of humor, very, uh, you know, he'll push your buttons in the funnest way. So, yeah, Absolutely. great dude. Absolutely. No, he's fantastic. He is like top five human beings uh, in my current world. No, he's a great dude. So, but anyway, so I got to know Minneapolis City through Jeremy. He connected me to John and Adam and Dan. And I was just more interested at the time. Like, this is super cool. I love what you guys are trying to do. It's, you know, major league fun, minor league soccer. Awesome. Cool. So I got the membership first year, took my kids to a couple games. And then as, uh, did a little bit of other work with them. Like I was running camps for the soccer club that I, I coach at and they were looking for some sponsorships. We did some stuff like that. And then in the fall of 2017, I got a text from uh, Sarah Schreier, who is kind of our director of operations. And she was like, Hey, would you happen to know anybody who's interested in coaching a U23 team for us? And I was like, yeah, I would love to do that. So got to know Adam uh, worked with him in 2018. I led the U23 team and assisted him on the what was the undefeated season for us in the NPSL. And then a year later, Adam decided to pursue more of a corporate job with Sports Engine and uh, resigned his role as athletic director of De La Salle. And so kind of just made the switch from coaching to just more of a real job, I guess. And that left the door open for me to jump in and Sounds take like over. Adam sold out if you ask me. I mean, you know, I'm not going to say that, but probably. as someone with a very corporate job, uh, he sold out. He definitely sold out. <laughs> although, although I will say he's very good at what he does and he makes a whole lot more money than I do. So who's the idiot in this equation? Oh, I'm not good. Still, him, still him, so. but yeah, right, right, right. Uh, so what, um, prompted the jump from NPSL to USL2? I know that, you know, you had a lot of success in NPSL. But um, what made that decision just make sense for you guys? Yeah. You know, I think it was just looking around and kind of saying, we always want to take on the next challenge. And, you know, the NPSL has been great. I think there's been, there's obviously some very competitive teams, even here locally with Med City and Duluth. And obviously Midwest region has been very competitive. And so it's, it's been good. But one of the things that we we're finding was there is a perception to it where NPSL is fine but USL two is better. And especially like with, when we're working with college coaches, that's a big thing where even for us and like what we do with our product, I absolutely think is on already on par with a lot of USL two clubs and teams, but that's not the perception that some players and coaches have. And so we've set, we saw that some of our really higher level players were choosing to go and play USL two, um, you know, like down in Houston or out in North Carolina. And again, that's you know, totally fine. They've done really well. But for us, like, you know, we, we want to be this home to where our local players can really be at the top, you know, and, and be challenged. And, you know, for us, like the NPSL has been great, but we've also done very well in it. And, and I think there's something to, you know, yes, we want to win, but we want it to be competitive. And so USL2 provided that where it's like, you know, like I just said, we're going to go up against Des Moines Menace, who just won the entire USL2 last year, and they're unbelievably good. So it's a new challenge for us. I think it gives us a little bit more credibility, or at least the perception of credibility to people. And, you know, and, and I think the other thing, too, was when we were in talks and, and having the conversations about it, we, we asked the players, 
And we're like, well, we're not going to make this jump if the players don't want to do it. But unequivocally, the players are like, absolutely, let's go for it. This is going to be awesome. It's going to move the club forward. Let's make it happen. And so we did that, had the conversation with the members and, you know, put it out and kind of a vote to them. And that's the other thing. Like if they had voted, no, we wouldn't have done it. So it was just, you know, it made sense for us. Players want to do it. Fans supported it. And, you know, so it was kind of signed, sealed, delivered like that. And so what will that, what would that structure look like? You, you mentioned you're leaving a, uh, leaving a team in, the, in kind of the current league that you're in right now as you jump up to the USL2. Is that going to be that MPLS City 2 team that you already have, or is, is there going to be kind of a, a shifting of what that second team looks like? Yeah, that's a great question. And so we're actually more or less eliminating Minneapolis City 2. And the plan is to take that roster that we have, about 45, 50 guys, and have it be one team that's playing in two leagues. And obviously, like, there's going to be Saturday games where half our roster will play USL 2, half our roster will play NPSL. And that... I think is really intentional. And and that doesn't mean that we're leaving the UPSL yet. We're, we're still trying to see maybe our futures play that maybe we still have some other developmental guys that play in that league. But the idea was to kind of just take this whole group and say, Hey, look, we, we don't want to have there be this dividing line of, you know, here's varsity and here's JV. Nope. Here's our whole entire team. Everybody's a part of this. Um, there's some age restrictions with USL two that are going to prevent maybe some of the older guys from playing, but we still want you guys around. So it'll be different and uh, it'll take a little bit of work, I think, but we've, we finally have gotten to a point, especially last year where we have, we feel like we have a really good staff and the first few years, it was basically just me, Adam and our goalie coach running everything where last year, I think we had 10 people, maybe even a dozen people on staff between NPSL and MC2 and Futures. And so to have that many people who are really invested in it, really good at what they do, I think is going to allow us to kind of take on that challenge of how do we find that roster? Because the other piece too is like, we want this pipeline to keep happening. And so then how do we bring in like our top Futures players and how do we give them a look? Um, so it's a lot of moving parts, but I think it's really important in terms of just overall development for players and overall development for the club that we, we do well with wherever we're at with all these players and make sure we're really intentional with it. Yeah. Your, um, your futures jerseys, when those debuted, I think it was like last year, uh, yeah. just absolutely love those. Those are incredible. And asking for a friend, cool. uh, can you sign <laughs> up to be a futures player if you're 29 years old? Is there a, an age cutoff or. Yeah. Uh, and also bad at soccer. Um, yeah, we, I, I can talk to some people. I think we, we put you in the older futures league. Um, I think that's actually, if the Croatians ever come over, that is probably where we'll put it too. So it'll be fine. We'll find a spot. Yeah, for you'll that be friend. in great company there, Grant. Uh, speaking well, of the, the, the future's over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the future. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. The future's over. That'll be our next one. <laughs> speaking of the futures jerseys, I want your professional opinion on this. Did St. Louis steal your kit design? I will say this. There are a lot of similarities. And I'll say, also say this. I'll go so far to say is it would not have been the first time somebody has ripped off our jerseys. Um, if and, and I, I don't know if this is public knowledge. And, and we kidded about it. We joked about the fact that Man U, Manchester United took our Dazzle kit and made it their own. 
Yeah. And, but, but that is a real thing. Like we, there's, there's some people we know over in England who are kind of hop, higher up in soccer and, and they knew the person who was or the people that were involved. And they're like, yeah, that, that was not a coincidence. And so I, I can't say for certain, I, I'm not looking to piss off any people from St. Louis, but there are a lot of similarities between colors and fonts. And, you know, if you go back and see who rolled out, which one first, I'll let you draw your own conclusion. All right. All right. But, but, saying- but I will say this up the thieves. Yeah. Hey, well, which is, it's, it's great because Manchester United is my favorite English soccer team. So I was like, look, like they're, they're getting their style points from Minneapolis city. Like it was perfect. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Only thing that pissed me off was during the quarantine, I got into FIFA for the first time in like a decade and I, they didn't have the stupid dazzle kits for Man U. Like I couldn't buy them in future team. And so, and I didn't care that much, but I was really pissed about that. That was like the only reason I paid a hundred dollars to do that. I was like, Oh, I'm going to use these kits. And then, didn't actually get to use them so yeah. that's okay, really really quick I'm not, saying, I'm not saying i'm just saying you can draw your own conclusions clearly proves that you're already well on your way to, to, to making the jump to being a professional level coach because for sure I mean, points down which is important absolutely absolutely yeah. i think i'm well on my way i appreciate that alex that's you I get like. it you get a few croatians on your team and you'll be cooking <laughs> i'm telling you a hundred percent man Hey, uh, really quick, I do want to plug something for you. Um, if anyone listens and I don't know how many people listen who would have a connection like this, but, um, if somebody wanted to get tied in, you know, if they have a a son or a daughter or whomever who wants to, you know, try out for the futures, what's the best way of reaching out for, for that tryout? Not me. I know I made that joke already, but I'm not making that joke anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I the best way I think I think our website is back up and running. I think it, there's actually like a futures at Minneapolis or sorry mplscitysc.com. Um, otherwise, you can hit us up on Twitter, hit me up on Twitter, email whatever. Uh, we'll find you and point you in the right direction. Um, and I think we're going to start tryouts here in the next couple months. And yeah, and honestly, like since we're kind of plugging it, I you know even if it's not just players like people want to get involved. Like I know nobody has, you know, they're unlimited amount of time, but if truly Minneapolis city has been based on like, Hey, just people who want to get involved and you're like, Hey, this is a cool thing. I want to do even a little bit more than a fan, you know, and support the team. Awesome. Let me know because that's truly been the cool thing about city is like, everybody has kind of said, this is my Avenue. I want to go pursue it. And we've had really good people. So yeah, if you want to get involved in any capacity, Come hit me up. Like, you have my job. A, a chief director of vibes. Cause I'm on that. Yeah, for sure. I'm all for about sure. It. Yeah. Yeah. Deal. You're, you're hired. I don't have the authority to do that, but you're hired. Okay. Perfect. Uh, I'll send my W2 over. So <laughs> now you gotta be honest though for a second. Cause I know you've been right. spewing a bunch of, you know, PRBS at us, but sure. how would you describe your coaching style? You players coach, are you a tactician? Are you a Marine? I'm not. Yeah, no, I, I will be, that's a good question. And I'll be honest, I, I am not a tactician. And I think one of the cool things with city has been, I've actually learned a lot more tactically than I probably ever have. And it's pushed me to do that. I am very much a player's coach and not in the sense, like I want to be buddy, buddy and all that, but it absolutely matters that you have trust and respect and it goes both ways with players. So I, Again, shameless plug for Bethel was a psychology major at Bethel 
went on to grad school at Bethel Seminary and did my MA in marriage and family therapy and actually intended to be a marriage and family therapist. So I wanted to work with kids, families, all that. So you learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about other people. And, and, I, and I do implement a lot of that into what I do as a coach. And it's one of the reasons I, I love coaching is I get to do it in kind of a more unofficial you know, capacity and I don't get bogged down with paperwork and diagnoses and all that stuff. So yeah, I'm, I am much, I'm very relational. I like to have conversations with players. Um, even if they're hard conversations, I think that matters because I think all of us can look back and look at a coach that we didn't like and say, here's why I didn't like that coach. But you can also look back and say, there's a coach that I really liked. And especially as a, as a youth player, whatever, it always comes back to like, there was something about that coach being intentional. Even if they were a hard ass that pushed me, you knew that they were invested in you and that, Am I perfect? No, of course not. But I, I try to be that way. And, and especially too, for what Minneapolis city is, and it's, it's community. Like we, we have to have good relationships. We have to be intentional on those things. And so I, I have, I'm, I think I did a good job in terms of coaching and in terms of finding much more smarter soccer people than myself and surrounding myself with them. Like Tori Burnett, very good at what she does. Uh, Michael Prunty, MC2 coach, very good at what he does. Um, you know, JJ even for futures, like all of these coaches are, are very, very good coaches and, and they contribute and, and do a lot. And I'm, I'm really happy that they're on staff. So part two of this question, you got to blow the dust off the yearbook and crack it open. Yeah. Yep. Did you play soccer back in the day? I did. What I played a from, I was an outside mid, which my, I tell my JV boys that, or I even tell many Apple city guys that they're like, you can't run. I'm like, no, no, I can't run anymore. I used to be able to run. And then I had two kids and I sold out and gave up on life. And now I can't run, but I used to be an outside mid who was actually pretty fast. So yeah, that was, that was my thing. Speaking as a high school coach, uh, you jump into one or two of those drills and you're like, I lost it so fast. It's unbelievable. You're like, so fast. I used to go just run, we're good, whatever. And now it's like, I'm one lap and I'm like, you guys keep going. You guys are great. You're doing a great, yeah. you know? No, a hundred percent because like, I will jump in even with my U8 girls and I'll make one pass and I'm like, oh, that really hurt my knee. I got to go sit down. Like that was, that was a mistake. So but yeah. The you gotta, credibility like, factor when, when also your body just fails you and you have right. a bad pass and all of a sudden you're like, Every time you've yelled at your players for having a bad pass, now they're looking at you like, what was that? That was terrible. Exactly. And then I'll be like, no, nah, you need to go run laps, but I'm not going to run them with you again. So go do it. Shut up. So if you had a favorite soccer player coach, um, just, you know, big, small, whatever, it could have been a personal uh, player you played with or coach you and had as your coach or just somebody you admire a lot, uh, who would that yeah. be? Well, I'll say this. My favorite player growing up was Thierry Henry and just fantastic, right? It's part of why I'm an Arsenal guy. It's so makes, much fun to watch. I was watch. about to say, you seem grumpy, so it makes sense you're an Arsenal guy. <laughs> Dude, I've been grumpy for the last seven years. It's been so bad. Oh, But we did beat Tottenham a couple Tottenham a couple weeks ago, so I got that going for us. Um, no, I, in terms of like actual like coaches that I had, so I actually was really fortunate. I had a guy by the name of John Tudor who you can Wikipedia him. He's actually played at Newcastle. Um, how he ended up in Minnetonka, Minnesota, coaching uh, Tonka United U13 boys, I have no idea. 
Um, but he was awesome. Like he was, he was a British guy who got it in, I'm going to date myself, but you know, even back in the late nineties, like was doing really well. And, and I vividly remember, this is where I was like, not only is it good dude, but you talk about that credibility factor. I was actually getting my coach's license. I think it when I was 18 and he was one of the instructors and he was a striker. And this dude, like, I think at the time, easily late sixties, like easily late sixties. And he was doing a session on attacking and finishing and he can't move super well, but he got the ball, collected it, turned on a dime and laced it upper 90 from about 20 yards out. Just one shot. That was it. It was like mic drop. You're like, all right. Okay. Like this guy's legit. So I, I liked him a lot and, and I liked him a lot because he like literally is kind of a legend at, at Newcastle, but he's just so down to earth. And he, it's not like something he wore in terms of like, Oh, look at me on this big, awesome deal. And I think that that's one of the things that bugs me about coaching and soccer in America more than anything is like, you get nobodies or, or coaches who think they're somebody. And I'm like, and I go back to that line in super bad, which is one of my favorite movies where Jonah Hill's on the field and the ball hits him. And like, give me my ball back. And it's Michael Sarah's like, Greg, it's fucking soccer. It's fucking soccer, Greg. Like, and, and that's really like what I want to say to a lot of these coaches and just people with egos at times, like it's fucking soccer. It's not a huge deal. So I, I appreciated John because he was very down to earth. Wasn't like I'm, I'm this big thing, you know, that, that matters, whatever. And, and that was really refreshing. So I try to implement or try to try to be like him as well. And, and don't try not to have a big ego most of the time. I mean, being the millennial that I am, I actually did Wikipedia <laughs> while you were talking. Uh, yeah. He's got he's got quite the track record. It looks like Coventry City, Sheffield United, yep. Newcastle United, Stoke City, KAA, yeah. Gent, um, Minnetonka U13. I mean, he's got the prestigious <laughs> track record right there. Of, 100%. Of quite the coach. But if if you have any good, like, does he, did he have good one-liners? Was there any words of wisdom he could pass on? Uh, he, he was good at telling some stories. So one of my favorite stories that he had was, do you guys, you guys know who Andy Carroll is, right? Like former West Ham striker. Yeah. yeah. So this is when I think he was with, he was at Newcastle. I'm really glad you said West Ham because I was going to say the wrong team. So I'm going to say Everton. (laughs) So I'm glad you said that. Okay. Maybe he's on Everton. I don't know. Andy Carroll, like he he's been around for like 40 years. He'll be around for another 40 years and score one goal every season. And it'll be a worldie and that's it. But I remember it because I actually ran into John. I was at the YMCA and he's working out and we're I'm working out and I was talking to him. I hadn't seen him for a while. I was catching up with him, And uh, I was like, he was telling me, he was like, yeah. He's like, I went, went back to Newcastle. They had this little ceremony, whatever. And uh, they asked me, they're like, like, Hey John, do you think we're gonna wait? Do you think we're gonna win today? And he was like, "No, but I but I can't say no. I have to say yes." Like so, I said yes, you know. And I was like, "Yeah, but you guys got Andy Carroll. He's doing really well." And he just kind of rolled it eyes, like he's a fucking pig. It's like I hate that guy. <laughs> I was like, "Thank you for your brutal honesty. I I respect that." I love it. I love it. Um, and you like to see that from people. I think it's, it's funny, yeah. you know, the more you interact with people from other countries and how their sensibilities, sensibilities, sorry, this is my second white claw. So I'm getting a little crazy. <laughs> Good for you. But 
their their sensibilities are just so different. Where so you, know, different. You, you talk to people who are from Holland, like Dutch people, and they're yep. they're you know brutally blunt or Germans. You know, I, I have a lot of Germans in my family, and um, I have a literally an eighth cousin, a distant relative, who moved here to Minneapolis to work at 3M. And okay. we found the family tree, whatever. But he's just very upfront and forward. And, you know, you want to hang yes. out? Oh, I'm busy today. You know, just very, right. not, nah, not Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I No, I'm with you. And actually, I, I have a follow-up story to that because this is one of my favorite stories. Oh, yeah, it's, hit us with it. So, and this goes back to another Englishman. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm with you because... It's not Adrian Heath, is it? It, it is not Adrian Heath, no. <laughs> yeah. And so, but you're right. Like growing up Midwestern, we're very like passive aggressive and, oh, we don't want to start confrontation, you, you know, whatever. Everyone's feelings. Correct. Very important that nobody be traumatized. So, but I, I, lo- I really appreciate people who are direct. And I was coaching with this other coach. I won't, I won't name his name because I think he's still around in the, in the Twin Cities, but it was great. And he's similar to John had a pretty good resume. Like he grew up as a goalkeeper. He played for Leicester city for a little bit. Like he was good. And now you're trying to get us to we're running this U 15 session winter training together. And this kid is like, just kind of a punk ass. Like, and you could tell, thought he was really big of himself and John and, and this player, it wasn't his name, it wasn't John. This coach is trying to explain like, you know, Hey, this is why, you know, we, you know, in a four, three, three or whatever the formation was, this is what we're trying to do. And this kid just wasn't doing it. And at the end of practice, again, he's going over. He's like, you know, this is why we do this, blah, blah, blah. And the kid was like, well, you know, for my, my freshman high school team, we did a three, five, two, and we won every game. And I scored like 400 bazillion goals. And the coach stopped and looked at him and said, you know what? When I was your age, I was playing Liverpool and Manchester and these other teams. So you can get the fuck out of here. (laughs) I like that, especially to a punk ass 15 year old. needs to be put in his place a little bit. All you need to do is spend an afternoon with 13 and 14 year old boys. And you will immediately understand why so many uh, you know, JV high school coaches have like anger issues. Oh yeah. The, the things that they'll say to you, you're like in again. And, and, and so I've gone to a lot of coaching clinics and, and I've seen a lot of stuff and I've heard good, wise coaching advice about how, you know, don't blame it on certain generations adapt, you know, continue to grow, <laughs> but there are, there's still that generational gap where when I was in high school, I would never ask my coach, why are we doing this drill? Right. You, yes. You, you never question it. And and my high school coach never played at Newcastle or Manchester right. City or, right. or anything. Like, uh, in no way would I ever question that because for sure. you go for it. And I don't mind when it's introspective or, or they're just trying to, like, understand. Learn. Right. Yeah. But the, there will be snot-nosed, pimple-faced, 14-year-old boys yep. who will ask you, why are we doing this? It's because you're right. bad at it and we're trying right. to be good at it. And you're <laughs> it's not actually my job, right? You're not, you. I'm trying to make you better. And this is the problem is you kind of suck. And I can't yeah. tell you that you suck to your face because then your parents are going to write me an email. So yeah. I'm just going to tell you what to do. Uh, yeah, no, I, so I just moved up to coaching the JV team at Wyzetta this year. And for whatever reason, I don't know what happened. I, I told the boys that I think, oh, we we're doing like a crossbar challenge. And I, and I put one kid on the spot was like, Hey, 
you hit the crossbar. Like I'll give you a pizza party. Sure enough, he hits it. I'm like, God dang it. So I bring out the pizza party and there was, an, there was, <laughs> there's one of the kids. I, I, for whatever reason, he had done something really well. And I was like, all right, what kind of drink do you want? He's like, I got to think about it. He's like, okay, I want a gallon of chocolate milk. So I, I literally bring a gallon of chocolate milk out to our pizza party. And you know, it's just, it's a whatever day, but they like start like kind of like tossing it back and forth just, just a little bit. Right. And we're on, we're on the turf and I'm like, Hey guys, like, I, I want you just to go put this down. Like, I don't want that to spill everywhere. Stop. Please just stop tossing it. So we don't start throwing it. All they heard was throw it. And so then I turn around and we're doing something. And one of my guys has taken his shirt shirt off just to be sure like the chocolate milk doesn't spill on him. And they are lobbing it 30 yards back and forth. And I'm like, Oh my God. And it didn't spill, but like, I'm like, you guys, I need you to use the little brain cells you have. And just please don't, don't do that. I don't want to get fired. If the varsity coach comes out here and he sees us throwing chocolate milk around at practice, like I'm going to get fired. But then, but then the other piece of it is like, like driving home that night. I'm like, actually, that's pretty fucking funny. And I would definitely do that if I was a 16 year old kid. So, you know, I can't, I can't be too mad. without spending too much time on it the psychology behind it is so perfect for high school boys which is you have a treat that you can (laughs) consume and enjoy that treat right but what do you want to do with it i want to huck that fucker as far as i can as far yes and and my head coach is saying no but my buddy over there is wide open and he's he's got good hands. He's got good hands. Right. We gotta oh, try gonna, it. We gotta try once. Try oh, but he caught it. But have you seen me do the spin 360 behind the back throw? Because I gotta try that one too. And that's such a high school boy thing that you're like such a high school boy thing. We were all there, those of us who were high school boys. If you weren't, good for you. Uh, you are lucky to be unscathed like that. But uh high school boys, you do stuff, and if you're questioned on it, why'd you right. do that? There's no good answer. There's zero. Why were you throwing the chocolate milk? Cause I wanted to right. throw it as far as I could. And I, I haven't done that before. So I wanted to try it. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's literally as far as the thinking and rationale goes. That's it. To be fair. That's all there needs to be. No, I, I, again, don't disagree. I thought it was hilarious. And it was like, yeah, I'm sure I probably did something similar to that as a JV player at one point. Alex is over here smiling like a guy who throws chocolate milk frequently. No, I was about to jump in and say, as much as I love the in-depth conversation about the flaws of a high school boy, uh, <laughs> I was hoping I could reel us in somewhere close to reality again. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. We, <laughs> we could get back to talking about what this jump means for you. Um, and so you mentioned, you know, yeah, it's, this isn't like a Premier League to, you know, or, or a USL to MLS League jump where most of your guys are going to end up not being, you know, making the jump with you. But mm-hmm. what type of shifts do you expect in terms of the players that you bring up? Is, is, is the goal to still stay just in the academy or not academy, but up through the system? Or are you going to begin expanding your reach a little bit more and, and, you know, looking for the next, you know, brand and buys of the world? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's a little bit of both. Right. And I, it it is finding that balance between kind of like the, the older generation veteran guys who have got us here. And there's definitely some who can still play at this level. Like you look at our captain last year, Max Stiegwart, you know, was a youth national player, played with Kristen Pulisic, played with Jackson Newell, played it, 
University of Central Florida. Like he's very, very good, even though he's you now kind of a more working professional now. So you want those those kind of guys because you you absolutely need the leadership and the veteran piece. However, I do think like you always again want to create that pipeline. So you got to find a little bit younger. You're going to find those guys who are a little bit more you know working towards whatever the next goal is, whether it's the next season of college, whether it's professional at some point. And so there's just some different mentalities. So I do think our, our team is going to tap a little bit more into that. Like we're, we're trying to help you get to whatever is next. And so I do think we'll probably skew a little bit younger. Again, we're not going to overhaul and, you know, just get rid of all these veterans. Like, Hey, thanks for setting us up for five years. Get the fuck out. Won't be doing that. But there's something to like, Hey, you know, we're with USL too. Like we have to level up. We are going to go probably four or five times a week, if not six with games last year for NPSL. I think we went two and a half, three times if we were lucky, not lucky, but if we, if it was a busy week. So it's just, it's, it's a different mentality in terms of what we're trying to do, because there's going to be guys I'm going to have conversations with of, you know, I just know like life, work, family, they're just not, in college anymore. Like they can still play, but they're not pursuing higher level soccer. And so I think that'll change a little bit. I think there's more, it's clearly more for us as a staff that we have to do. Like we need to implement video a lot more. We have to work. Like if we're, we're really saying, Hey, we want to develop and push these players on that. We actually have to try to develop them individually, not just within a team that's trying to win. Um, and that takes time. So yeah, I think there's going to be a lot more to do, but I, I do think like by doing that, the goal is like, yeah, if we can find like a Luke Hawkinson or a Brandon by and, and have this be something that they're like, Hey, this can be a really good platform for me as I'm trying to make that jump to whatever. And I can be at home and have a really good experience. Like that's huge. So <clears throat> yeah, I think it'll be, there'll be some growing pains and we'll, we'll fail in some areas to begin with, but I think ultimately it's uh It'll make us as a club a lot better. This might be a super dumb question, so I'm sorry, but uh, with St. Thomas going D1, does that kind of expand the you know scope that people are looking at Minnesota? Does that help you at all? Does that yeah. kind of factor into any of your plans? Yeah, absolutely. And I actually, so their head coach, John Lowry, was actually my first boss at Fusion, so I know him really well. We have some St. Thomas guys on it, but, you know, it, it absolutely does help us to have finally a, a men's division one team. And cause you look at kind of what USL two is like, it, it's pre-professional it's for these amateur players that they can continue to play and not lose their NCAA eligibility. And so I, I think there's definitely a, a possibility for some, a good marriage there. So, yeah. And, and even just the fact that like our whole goal for city from day one has been, can we make Minnesota soccer better? So if we have a D one team in our backyard, that's huge. That's awesome. It's continuing to put us on the map. It's drawing in better players. It's, it's keeping the better players here in Minnesota. And, you know, I think the, the Mayak, which has Bethel Gustavus, all, you know, what did have St. Thomas, like I think gets a bad rap at times because it's D3, but the reality is like, if you look at like even our roster for NPSLS here, there's a good number of players who played in the Mayak. And so the Mayak really actually does have a lot of good players that could even play at that D1 level, but there are just players who said, you know what, I'm D1 or bust, and they'll go play at Creighton, they'll play at Drake, they'll play UW-Green Bay. And so then in the summer when they're back here, they're looking for a place to play. And I think, again, we had a lot of those players with NPSL anyways, but USL2 just, again, kind of continues to create that 
that funnel of saying, Hey, here's, we can do even more with it. It's crazy to think how your life could change. I was this close to playing Bethel soccer, made the choice to switch to uh, lacrosse because I was worse shit at soccer. And uh, <laughs> so, so that was kind of where it went. But you know, you Absolutely. never know. You never know. I could have, I could have been a Minneapolis City player if Absolutely, I was man. much, much, Absolutely. much better at soccer. Uh, For sure. Actually, actually, yeah, because I'm not that good. Um, so <laughs> quick question. If our yeah. best athletes played soccer, who would be our best athlete soccer player? Oh, man, no, don't answer. I hate that question. I'm just joking. I do too. I do too. I'll say this: it's not. It's not that simple. And I don't. I love when tell people me like I, Kevin Durant. Like he's six foot nine. He would not be good yeah, at soccer. He'd be terrible. Don't tell me. Don't tell me LeBron, because no, one, no. I'm, I'm like just don't. Because like um, Usain Bolt tried it right when he went over to Germany for a little bit. He he actually was not bad. He was just really fast. So like. Yeah, you can be super athletic, but you got to be smart. Like, you got to, like, he, this a is maybe player, a good way a player to put like it. Luka is, Modric is a perfect example. Another Croatian. Correct. Yes. He's small. He's not necessarily the most athletic. It's vision, it's right. touch, it's it's the positioning, it's the brain of the game. And people, I, I remember listening to this over and over, uh, you know, the last World Cup that we didn't qualify for where people are saying like, Oh, if only like you're saying LeBron James played soccer, right. We still wouldn't be good. No offense to LeBron James. He's an incredible athlete, right. but it's not about right. being fast or strong. It's about everything else in the game. Correct. Well, and it's, and it's a numbers thing too. Like you can dominate when there are less players on the field. So a five V five or five on five for basketball in a smaller space, athletes can do a lot more. You go 11 v 11 and there's 22 people on 120 by 70 yard field. Like does athleticism help hundred percent? I'm not going to say no to it, but you're not going to be able to dominate that game. If you're just a freak athlete, you're just not like, again, it helps, but it's a whole different thing. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. All right, I do have a real question for you though. Oh wait, Alex, Alex has a real smile, which means, Oh no. Oh, he's waving it away. Um, on the, so do you, you do watch Minnesota United games, correct? I do. Okay. I do. Uh, do you have a favorite player on the team right now? Is there some player that you just, man, he's super fun to watch? I'll be real with you. I, I have not watched as much this year. I've kind of been a little bit checked out. I do like Reynoso. When they made the run in the playoffs last year, Reynoso was really fun to watch. Um, my favorite player that they've ever had, though, was Kevin Molino. And I – sucks because he was so injury prone but man that dude like you could plug and play him in a lot of different things a lot of different positions he was just like he was the catalyst in so many ways and 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 he was just really fun to watch and i appreciated like his iq and just in terms of how he played what he was trying to do so i miss him a lot maybe that was part of the reason i i stopped watching as much as i have but um i liked him and like i said you Reynoso in that playoff run last year was unreal. Like when you see a player who gets hot, you're just like, damn, like that's fun to watch. So I do like him. Yeah. Alex can confirm, but we uh, have been a very pro Kevin Molino podcast. Nice. Uh, just I like his, his creativity his fluidity. Yep. You can tell that it's, it's an intelligent play constantly, but he's not thinking about it. It's just correct. Him playing. Like he knows what to do without having to, you know, exactly. analyze and look around. And he always, he, he would just make great choices or very yeah. creative, fun choices too. Like 
for sure. The best part about soccer is if you're really good at it, it's just fun to watch you play. You know, Kevin Molino played with such a joy. And I Mm -hmm. think the hardest thing that Alex and I always talk about is like, he just could not stay healthy. You know, those soft tissue injuries are brutal. So unlucky. So unlucky. And I think even with Columbus now, he's out again, like just sucks. But yeah, that, that dude was fun. And fluidity is the right term. Like it wasn't like you put players in a system and say, Hey, do this. And that's fine. But you still need that extra piece of creativity that they have. And Molino, like you could see what he was trying to do in Heath's system, but then it was like, boom, he would add a pass. He would add a run. He would just, you know, see something that nobody else would see. That was, that was so much fun to watch. For sure. Do you make it out to games ever? I know obviously not this year. It sounds like you're pretty busy, but do you try to go out to games or? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's funny when, when they were playing at TCF bank, I think especially that first year, everybody was like, Oh, I'm going to buy season tickets. You should buy season tickets. You should buy season tickets. I didn't have the time, but I also didn't want to, but this is where like being around soccer, everybody has tickets that they can't use. And so I have probably been to 30 games at some point. Let me not there. That's an exaggeration. I've been to a good dozen, 12 to 15 games and I haven't paid for any tickets. So anybody time you got free tickets and want to go, I'm your guy. Noted. Noted. Uh, we, Alex, I'll keep that in mind for sure. Uh, I think last but not least, you know, we'll, we'll try to wrap this up so you can get on with your night. I know you've been uh, neglecting your uh, girls youth team. Uh, there's a game apparently that, that Matt left early from, uh, and then his children that he's, you know, ignoring right now they're in the background. My actual children. Yeah. They're, they're climbing over the top of his chair right now. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> no, but you like a lot of my tweets. That's how we got connected on Twitter. What's yeah. your favorite tweet of mine? I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Don't <laughs> answer that question. I'm just, kidding. just kidding. No, uh, yeah, Matt, we really appreciate your time. Um, we'll let you get back to your night, but thank you so much. Best of luck with USL 2. Um, I have not made it out physically to a game yet, which I'm ashamed oh, man, to say as somebody with literally the Minneapolis city hat and a sweatshirt. Seriously. I'm a major poser. So I do That's, need to make it out right. to a game. Um, but Alex and I, I'm roping Alex in. We're going to come check out a game yeah. sometime. You do guys it. Still gonna you guys, the- you guys love it. Go ahead. Yeah, that's the plan. Um, we'll kind of see how that works out. Like, again, if we have two Saturday games, maybe we stack them, whatever. But Augsburg is great. Like, that was actually one of the most fun things of this last season was we were drawing over a 1,000 people the last few games of the season. I think for the Carpathia, the the uh, Midwest uh, quarterfinal, we had over 1,200 people. And, and it's, it's a perfect venue because it stands are all on one side. Like, you've got the supporters. And so it feels a lot smaller than it really is so no you guys got to make it out like it's it's so much fun uh you smuggle smuggle a few beverages in and you're good to go there you go oh and yeah I got, I got those flasks oh yeah yeah and you, you guys are playing the central conference the heartland division i believe i saw right yeah that's the plan although it's it'll be interesting to see how they shake that out because putting us in is going to change that a little bit and they needed to put a team in minnesota but like What's interesting about that is like you can go as south as like Kansas or St. Louis, but go as yep. north as like Winnipeg or Man- or uh, Thunder Bay. So yep. I don't think they've actually settled on. They're going to put us in that conference and we'll obviously play Des Moines because they're close. Probably FC Chicago, Green Bay. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if we'll end up if they made they guess what I'm saying is they might have to actually split that conference in two, like a north and a south. So we'll see. So we got kind of cut off. There were some internet problems towards the end. Uh, it definitely wasn't 
Matt being sick of our interview and just ending um, abruptly. But speaking of questions, we also have listener questions. So, Alex, as always, I'll run us through them. Uh, We'll make this nice and quick. I know the last game was not the funnest to talk about, but I think questions are kind of fun. You guys actually gave us a lot, so we're going to have to go quickly through them. But Nicholas Bisbee asks, how many points do we get from the next six matches? Alex, as always, the floor is yours. The, the, Alex, as always, the floor is yours. Man, I mean, again, I feel like every week I come back and I'm just like, at this point, you know, we'll be lucky if we get any, you know? I mean, week over week, I keep thinking the red, the end of the year is going to be more and more bleak. I mean, we just lost. I mean, Colorado's a good team. We've been saying that all year. But, I mean, we were a man up and we just, I mean, just gave it away. So I have no idea how many points we get the rest of the year. What is there, six games? Four of them is on the around the road, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. I I mean, we I don't think we get more than seven points. We don't get more than seven points out of six games. That's a harsh but probably deserved analysis. We're in Austin on the weekend. When? Three. We, okay. At home against Philadelphia on Wednesday. One. You think we tie that game? Yep, we tie. At home against LAFC on the weekend. Win. Bold. At I know, I know, I know, but but hear me out, okay? Home against LAFC is not the same as Colorado. LAFC is not the team that Colorado is. Colorado is a good team, so I think that's a win personally. But if you want me to hedge my bets, let's go ahead and call that a tie. So home against LFC, tie also. So that's five points right there. Okay. At Vancouver. Win. Home against Sporting Kansas City. Loss. At Galaxy. Loss. Okay. So what do you got? How many points is that? I thought you were keeping track. (laughs) Nope. Uh, okay. Sure wasn't. So I said, I said, I said, win, tie, tie. So that's five. Win, that's eight. Uh, loss, loss. So eight points. Okay. I say we get a point at Austin. I say we lose at home to Philadelphia. I say we tie LAFC. So that's two points. I think we beat Vancouver away just because that'll be like the one final hope. Like, ooh, maybe here we go. We got five points. But then I think we lose at home to Kansas City, and I think we lose away at the Galaxy. So we're pretty, we're not all that far off. I have, what did I say, five points? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I have us miraculously beating Philadelphia. Does that keep us in this? Does that keep us in a playoff spot? Uh, I think. I mean, the game against Vancouver is going to be huge. We have to beat Vancouver. You know, I I don't obviously it's not important to beat Kansas City because we're not chasing them that hard, but. you know, if we're going to circle some games, it's got to be LAFC, Vancouver, LA Galaxy. Those three games, if we're going to put all our chips on the table, it's got to be against those teams. Is that a me thing? No, yeah, we're good. Sorry. Uh, I'll jump back in here. Yeah, I think the only like reason we make say. the playoffs, 
I think the only reason we make the playoffs is because I don't know that anyone beneath us is going to do anything to try and get in there. You know, I don't Vancouver and LAFC. I really don't see them putting anything together. And the only other team is RSL. And I, again, I just I don't think they're ever going to. RSL is probably the one team that might be able to do it. Um, oh no, wait, that's wrong. RSL is already in the playoffs, aren't they? So who's the one team I'm forgetting? San Jose. Yeah, San Jose. I don't see it. So I think we'll still make it, but I think it's more about other people than us, honestly. Fair. I think this is kind of a passive entry for a team that's much better than... We're too good to be relying on other teams for a playoff spot, and yet here we are, right? And that's the frustration. And so to tie in with that frustration is Nicholas Bisbee's second question, which is, if the loons part ways with Heath before the end, does Mark Watson come down from upstairs, or does Ian Fuller take over, and does that get us over the line into the playoffs? If we wait until the end, who would you like to take over realistically? I'll answer part one really quick. Um, I don't... Personally, I don't think, like... You know, they say the the interim coach bump, you get like one or two games. I'd, I would not want them to fire Heath pre-playoffs just because I don't think that does anything. I think if you want to fire Heath, no matter what, fire him at the end of the season, win, lose, or draw. Because like we keep saying, he's a Mike McCarthy. He, he is a, a coach who will basically sort of get you the sum of your parts and won't over uh achieve which you know is not ideal with a with a coach and and he's not super tactically sound so i've said it a few times if he gets us an mls cup i'm fine with him one more year but anything other than that as unrealistic as that is i i don't really want to see him uh as the coach again but alex yeah, no, I I don't want to see him get fired just because I agree. I think as bad as he is, he does still give us the best chance because who knows, we could get hot all of a sudden and he won't do anything to screw it up, I don't think. You know, maybe he will. <laughs> who knows? But at this point, I don't want to see him fired because it'll just send everything in kind of a weird tailspin, I think, more than it already is. And just like, whatever. At this point, just leave him. We'll see how the rest of the season goes. Um, honestly, even if he does win an MLS Cup with us this year, I would still want to see him go because he's proved that that's not really indicative of the way he coaches. It would just be we happen to get hot at the right time and roll over people in a in a in a lucky. I think, like sense. you've said, you've said in the past, if we were to win, it would be winning an MLS Cup despite him, not because of him. Definitely not because of him. I don't know if I, I don't maybe not even despite him, but definitely D- despite not of him. is harsh. Yeah, right. but yeah. And as far as who should come down, that's, I don't know. And I think that's a thing, you know, you and I would definitely heath out defenders for a long time. Um, But I don't think I ever, you know, and we talked about how hard it is to find a coach, right? You can't just go find a coach. Um, And I think that that's where I'm still at. It's like, I don't know. I don't have the answer. I don't pretend to know, to have my finger on the pulse of the coaching world. So I have no idea. I have no idea if someone internally can do it. I don't know if there's a good fit somewhere else in the, around the league if it's around the world i don't know but at this point i just can't be heath anymore yeah i i don't i don't have a preferred coach just because i think there are so many coach coaches there are so many coaches around the world that are great coaches i, I just 
I think the odds of, of finding a realistic better one at this point um, are, are pretty likely. So, yeah, I, I don't have a great option. And that's something that, honestly, Grant from 2019 would push back on and say, well, then who are you to say he should lose his job? But I just don't see Adrian Heath um, improving the team. You know, we had some bad teams, bad lineups, starting 11s, and Heath was doing fine with those, and I was okay with that. But at this point, we have so much talent on this roster, uh, especially with our starting 11. I just, I don't feel like he's our guy to get us across the line. Moving on, we've got a lot more questions about Heath. Sim Gain. You know what, actually, Alex, I'm going to read a few of these to you, and we'll just kind of aggregate them, right? So Sim Game Shane says, what do you believe is holding back the team this season? Is it Heath? Is it injuries? Is it too many new players adjusting to the league? TJ at FTBLTJ says, is the end of the season time to let Heath go? I feel like he is one of the last weak points in the team. Dan O says, could Heath and the squad do badly enough? So Heath is let go before the last game of the season, or is he at the helm even if we lose out the next six? And Well, I'll stop there. That's three right there. Alex, what do you believe is holding back the season? Is the end of the season time to let Heath go? And could Heath and squad do badly enough that Heath is let go before the game, or is he at the helm even if we lose out in the next six? Yeah. Three questions. I think that <clears throat> all those things are definitely playing, playing in a factor, right? It's about a lot of injuries, and we have some new players. But that's almost why I think Heath is is the biggest part of it. Because I think a good, a better coach would be able to work through that and help us at least be a little bit better than the sum of our parts or help those players along more or would have done more up front to help us not be in this position as much and feeling like these players are new when they've been here for so long or like we were like we had as many injuries when we had good people on the bench that weren't getting playing time. Like all those things would have been made less impactful if Heath had done a better job throughout the year. Um, do I think that the end of the year is time for Heath to be gone? hundred percent unequivocally at this point, there's nothing even winning the MLS cup would not make me think that Heath should stay because it's just, it wouldn't, it wouldn't make up for like the, it's like if you hit a line drive at someone and they reactionally caught it, but they had been playing terribly the whole game, you wouldn't be like, oh, actually, they are really good. It's like, no, they happened to like bring it together at the end somehow, and that doesn't mean we saw their true colors in what they did week in and week out. And It's like, it's like it when somebody enough? scores a goal, but they played terribly, but then they get man of the match. It's like, well, just because you, you scored that goal, it's great, but you didn't do much besides that. Realistically, like you weren't the best player. You just got lucky with the goal. Right, yep. And I don't see any way that things spiral out of control so much that we'd fire Heath at the end of the year. Um, just because I think it would be strictly ceremonial if they did that. They wouldn't be doing it because they actually think that's going to improve anything. And just given our experience with Heath and what he's meant to this club, I don't see them doing that. Um, I see they let him just ride the year out and then hopefully early on after the season's done, he's uh, officially removed. You tapping me in? Yep. Okay. Tapped. Um, I think there's multiple things. So question number one, what's holding the team back? I think there's been injuries. There's been European, um, you know, play for the um, players who went to the Euros. Robin Lude missing time was big. 
uh, new players. I mean, all those things do factor in, but I think Heath has adjusted very poorly. And that's the deciding factor is you need a coach who, look, I'm not expecting you to win every game without your main players and with new players being factored in, but you need to find ways to adapt and, and play well. I think anything earlier than the end of the season probably is too early to let Heath go. I'm fine um, with waiting till the end. I don't see him being let go before the end of the season. So, um, yeah, he could still be the coach even if we lose the next six, which is crazy. But, you know, we are not in charge, so I don't I'm not privy to uh, front office decisions. I'm going to pause because. I don't know if you're frozen or just not moving. Oh, oh I'm here. Are, yep, you, I'm here. You're there. Okay. Additional questions. We have TJ again asking, is missing playoffs the end of the world? I think it isn't, but next season with a better manager and team, we should be challenging for a title, and this season has been odd, especially with a slow start. Alex, is missing playoffs the end of the world? I mean... Clearly it's not, right? It's just a game. We had a fun season. We're in the midst of a pandemic still. There's a lot more important things in the world. I don't think that there is any reason that this team... I mean, there is for sure no reason this team should have missed the playoffs. I would even argue there is no reason this team should not make the MLS or the Western Conference Finals. So in a sense, it's like, yes, it is the end of the world because like it is such an indictment of how the season has gone for us. Um is it then the world? No. Like we're we'll come back next year with much many of the same guys. None of our key pieces are leaving. We'll get we'll get rid of Jan Gregus, who we're not using as a DP, and we'll find some better pieces to work around them. Like it truly is next year is gonna be better and it's gonna be fine, but there was no it hurts reason me that, that you can say that so casually. Get rid of Jan Gregus and we're fine. I mean he hasn't played at all this year. I know. I just that's one of those sentimental ones that I get it. The brain gets it. The heart doesn't. The heart really? won't understand. I just, I like Jan. I, I don't know. I just like him. I'm not because saying it's not the... all those crazy highlights he had? Let's cut to the tape. Oh, I'm not nope, there's no saying... tape. I'm hearing there's no tape. Never mind. Don't cut to the tape. I'm editing all this out. <laughs> all right. You're right. I know you're right. I'm just saying, like, you, you get players that you like, and you can understand why they're not going to be, you know, on the team, but you're still like, dang. No, I, I no, I just, and I do. I do like it. If he was like a TAM player or something, sure. He had his moments. I think I remember talking about how, how big I thought he was for us defensively, actually. He was he was kind of a big piece in, in a lot of what we did. So, uh, it's just, yeah, it'll be sad to see him go. But we can use it with that DP spot a lot better. Fair. Next, we have... Wait, is it the end of the world for you? You didn't answer your question yet. Yeah, it's the end of the world. Okay the end of the world it's the end of my world uh yeah it's gonna be bad it's gonna be ugly if we miss the playoffs um so you know prepare for me to go into true hibernation uh which would be a lot of chips i'm on the keto diet right now i haven't had chips in forever so just be me downing bags of chips um in in just self-loathing uh yeah, I got nowhere where I'm going with this, so I'm going to move on. So Stats by Stefan asks, what's the best case scenario for the team for the remainder of the season and MLS Cup playoffs? 
is MLS Cup contention still possible at all, in all likelihood, playing the full playoffs on the road if they do make it? I mean, that's the weird part is, like, we have the talent to do anything, really. I mean, there, again, when if we're playing the way that we know we can and we have our front four the way that we know our front four can be and all those things are in place, there's no one we can't beat and there's nowhere we can't beat them. So whether it's at home or on the road or whatever, I don't care. We can beat any team in this league and we can beat them at in on the road. So as much as I say that there is 0% chance we do anything but lose the first playoff game, like we also very well could win the MLS Cup final. And that would almost be the worst case scenario because then I think we would just start over next year exactly where we left off again and we'd be whatever, the Colorados of the world who like won one championship and then just went on a, you know, several years of being bad because we never did anything. And I don't know, maybe Colorado's a bad example of that. I just was the first one I thought of who's only won one. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think the talent on the team is there, you know, especially if you get Audrey Nunu clicking, which, I mean, he's starting to look better and better and better. He is snowballing into a, a solid striker, in my personal opinion. You get that front four going. You've got a healthy Metonier. You've got Debassi and Boxall. I mean, I the best case scenario is we win the MLS Cup playoffs, the final, we win the MLS Cup. Um, I don't think that will happen, but I don't think that's impossible. I truly don't. I, is I think, that both like the best saying, and the worst case scenario? It's not the worst. Um, you know, as much as I, I personally am, am leaning farther and farther into Heath out, um, you don't win MLS cups all that often. I mean, you just don't. And so I would rather win one and be stuck a little bit than not win one and hope that you find a better coach and hope that they can get you to win one. Like I would rather get that star then say, oh, but we now we have a better coach, and cross your fingers. You know what I mean? That's fair. That's fair. You know what else is fair? The next question from Thunderwall, which is, would you rather limp into the playoffs with Heath at the helm and get BTFO? Yep. Bounce to the... Oh, yeah, okay. By Seattle, SKC, Colorado, or miss the playoffs, lose Heath, and start from scratch in 2022. Yeah, Alex, I think we answered think? that question unprompted last time around, and we said we'd Pretty rather much. lose, we'd rather lose right away than to have us make it into the playoffs, win one game or even two games, and still, and then start back up next year with Heath at the helm. Yeah, I, same boat. If we know those are the two choices, I I would rather just not even make the playoffs. Don't even get my hopes up. You know, the playoffs are full of hope. Anything can happen. If we're in there, game one. It's just going to hurt to get bounced out. Shane asks us, inspired by the team's pregame picks of the players, which loon has the best style? See attached, Instagram has better selection. He posted a nice photo of uh, Juan Agadello, who has a, a good look. He's got a nice hat, wearing the white t-shirt under the blazer. Um, he's not a current loon, so this is cheating. But Kevin Molino always had a great uh, outfit. There's a reason they called him Hot Boy. That dude was dressing. All right? You got yep. two choices, drip or drown, baby. And yep. Kevin Molino was dripping. That That's man a good show had for sure. style. Yeah. He, he can wear white pants, man. Not many people can wear white pants. That man can wear white pants, and it looks real good. 
Nico Hansen also has. Is that wait? Hold on. Is is that like? Is that the 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 like marker of if you have real high high fashion style? Like if you can wear white pants, because that feels like a good marker. Tom Brady can wear white pants. You know, like I feel like all the David Beckham can wear white pants. You know, people who can wear white pants, they're fashionable. Yeah, white pants aren't fashionable though. But people who can wear them. I think it depends on how you do it. I mean, Kevin Molino kind of mixed in with like like the Miami like kind of island vibe, where it was all very like white pants and like kind of like satiny silky shirts. Uh, It just it all worked. God, I wish I had a satiny silky shirt. Yeah, it wouldn't work for you. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. I know. But, you know, sometimes I just wish. Mm-hmm. That's all right. Would you wear a silky shirt if you could? I know. I know my uh, my zone, and it's definitely not silky shirts and wet pants. That's for damn sure. <laughs> Alex knows his range. Yeah. His range is not silky shirt. <laughs> Flash to me uh, purchasing dummy run silk shirts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Matching. I- Maybe maybe we'll buy we'll buy matching white pants and silk shirts and like once a summer we'll just go out in them and be like it's Kevin Molino night. Now I actually really want to make this happen. So uh, <laughs> let's I'm gonna I'm gonna poke around. I'm gonna find some silk shirts. Uh, Carter asks us, what's the bare minimum in your mind for Heath to keep his job? For me, it's win MLS Cup or sack him. Yeah. Again, I honestly at this point I wouldn't even keep him if we win MLS Cup because he's proved it over and over again. He's proved his true colors or his shortcomings over and over and over again throughout the end of the year. And a, and an MLS Cup run would just would be do more to prove that he's that we got hot at the right time than it would to be like, oh, maybe he is actually on top of this. Like, I don't believe it. No. Nope. Yep, we're saying the same thing. Uh, Nick at Hey Gundy says, and I got to give him the shout out because. You know, you called him out for not asking a question, but whatever. Uh, I did say comments in the in, in the original tweet. Uh, largest MNUFC away contingent for the season this Saturday in Austin at 77 supporters. My only comment is that we better fucking win. Love you guys. Nick, we love you too. If you are undecided, you should go to Austin. Seems like a cool city. I wish I could go, but I can't right now. Because I have no money. Well, I have no money for plane tickets. So uh, go for me. Go for Alex. Go for Nick. Go for the loons. Yeah. And I think that's... I think they got Thunderwall oh. on here. No, I, I answered. I, I asked that one. Yeah, yeah. That was the uh, limp into oh. the playoffs. Or oh, yeah, the playoffs. Okay. Last okay. one is, would the... From AD at AD Hot Dog... Okay, cool. Would the loons have... <laughs> I don't know. I, I like that. I like that handle a lot. I don't know why. Uh, would the loons have better success playing 10v10 versus being up a man? You know, I think that's one of those tricky questions, but like similar to hockey, um, lacrosse also has man up, man down situations and, and soccer. It comes down to if you start radically changing the way you play due to being a man up, you start going into you know unexpected territories where people don't know what they're supposed to do assignments start getting missed people don't understand who they're supposed to be marking or where they're supposed to go on offense and so i i don't think the loons really understand and this is one of my criticisms with heath despite being man up three different times in this year just one season 
we still don't understand what to do playing 11v10. And so, honestly, they probably would have better success playing 10v10. Um, Alex, what do you think? They definitely can't have worse success. So I think at this point we should just be arguing that it wasn't red cards, right? Like, no, 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 go to tape. He did not trip him. Honestly, he was fine. He's fine. You can leave him. He's fine. The best part is there's going to be a red card at some point. And you're going to see all these Minnesota United players like pleading with the ref yeah. right alongside like right. the LA Galaxy players being like, no, no, no. And they're actually going to be like, wait, why are you saying this? You know? Yeah, exactly. Look, there's been a lot of gloom and doom. Um, it was nice to talk to Matt for a little bit. It yep. was a good, good chat with him. Um, you know, definitely go make it out to a Minneapolis City game. Um, also continue to support the loons um it's been up and down year but uh we love our fellas and uh and i don't know you're trying to get out of here yeah it sends you trying to get out of here yet again without touching on everyone's favorite subject fantasy soccer we're in a I weird checked it. we're in a weird situation right now where we're like midweek because because there was only a few games we actually we're still in the middle of the match and matt uh, and grant you and i are playing right now uh, yeah, I tell them the score, se- Alex. I have seven players who have already played, uh, and I have a measly uh, 30-something points. I lost it here. Um, bu- 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 39. Uh, 39 points. Not great. Grant, you only have four players that have played, I believe. Uh, you only at 20 points, so you're 19 points behind me, but you only have like half as many players have played. And one of my players is, is Carlos Heal. Who well, has not played yet? Well, you're not supposed to tell me that because now I'm going to change my people around. But oh, I won't change. I didn't know it. you could be honest. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll be honest, and I won't change. I actually already have him as well. So uh, yeah, yeah, you did. Just cancel out. Yeah. Okay. Um, you captained Reynoso, who got 12 points. So he actually got six points. Uh, I captained Jao Paulo, who got 18 points. So I'm doing a little bit better than my captain. Uh, but we'll see how it shakes out. We'll see how it shakes out. So far, everyone's looking pretty similar in like the 20s. A few people up, you know, uh, Nate has the 48 points. A little higher. Did we there make a bet on our game? No, we didn't. Should we make a bet? Just just pure bragging rights. I like that. Um, <laughs> I know that we were supposed to amend the record and announce oh, that it McMaster is not... It, it's not McMaster Chief. It's McMaster Chef, which I, I thought. <laughs> I've been I've been even saying McMaster in Chief. I think like I have just been adding in extra words that don't even. Why'd you exist put in? There. It's not yeah, even I know, like I, I just, the, I just, it doesn't I even make sense with like, the Halo oh, joke. It. Yeah, yeah, he's <laughs> so, at seventy-two points by the way. He's having himself a killer game, and he's he playing Ari, correct? Yeah. yeah, he is playing Ari, who only has forty-two points. But mm-hmm. quite a few players to go, so I wouldn't okay. hold my breath. And then we had another good matchup. Who was the other one? You and me. Well, no. Um, wasn't Logan or somebody else was... Well, had, I saw had Specials playing Minnesota 11. That was another one. Oh, there we go. That's like Minnesota 11 doing well. That's like the, the four and two spot or something like that. Uh, Lasso Special is in third, and Minnesota 11 is in seventh. Wow, you're in, you're in fourth. That's impressive. Thank you. I'm I in sixteen. Rush you. Ooh. That's why I wonder how good. One. Yeah, I wonder how good my record would be if I uh, set my lineup every week. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be worse. That's arguable, but. All right, folks. 
It's been a long one. Wrap has this it? thing up. Has it? It has been. By the time we, well, by the time we plug that interview in, whew, if you're it's still true. here, just, power to you. Yeah, credit to you guys. Just thinking about that uh, Colorado game just makes this feel longer. So appreciate you guys listening. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Give us a review. Good, bad, whatever. Just give us those sweet, sweet interactions, baby. That's what we live for. Yeah. And as always, go Loons. Go Loons.